You are listening to Tiger Stories, a podcast from Chattanooga State Community College. On March 11th, Chattanooga State began developing contingency plans for how to cope with a possible shutdown of on-campus activities related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Tiger Stories decided to develop a special series of summer episodes looking at how the college has been responding to this pandemic since mid-March. We're excited to bring you this series of episodes looking at the many ways in which COVID-19 has impacted the college's operations and our students. Regular episodes of Tiger Stories will restart in the fall semester. Until then, we hope you enjoy this summer series looking at how Chat State has coped with the coronavirus so far. In each of these episodes, you'll be hearing one of our students interviewing someone else from our campus community. So the voices will change, but the stories are just as much a part of our community as the episodes you've come to love from this podcast. We hope you enjoy them. Hi, my name is Edward Smith. I am guest hosting for Tiger Stories, and I have a very special guest that I'm very excited about. So would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your position at Chattanooga State? I would love to. My name is Dr. Emily Dunlop, and I joke to folks when I first introduce myself always, so you just have to hear my joke. The only person that has to call me doctor is my brother for various childhood reasons, and if you take a class from me, you will hear more of those reasons. My job title at Chat State is a tenured associate professor, which in my humble opinion is the best job in the world, one of the best jobs. And how I got to Chat State is a bit interesting. In 2010, I had a turn of events that occurred while I was finishing my graduate year, my dissertation up in Kentucky, Lexington, where I was getting my degree in cognitive developmental psych. So I received a phone call from my dad um, when I was writing my dissertation. He told me that he had pancreatic cancer. And within the next hour, I was in the car driving back to Chattanooga. And in the course of the next two months, when I was working on my dissertation and spending time with him, he passed away on my birthday. During that same time, my mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer and skin cancer. And so Chattanooga was just a place I had always thought about coming back to, but hadn't quite planned to come back so early. I started working um, when I was finishing my dissertation. I had three jobs. I was trying to pull in some money. I was working as a Rule 31 Supreme Court mediator, which meant I was helping folks solve problems out of the courtroom. I was also teaching um, parenting classes for the state, um, helping parents understand about the cognitive developmental things that are her in different ages and how children respond to divorce and how to talk to them about it. And then my third job that I picked up um, was an evening job. And it turned out to be the best thing that has ever happened to me. And that was adjuncting at Chat State. Um, an evening class, it was intro to psychology. In the midst of all that other stuff going on, it was quite amazing. And I will never forget a couple years later when I had interviewed for the tenure track job that had just opened, I was a full-time adjunct at that time. I remember I have a flashable memory of the phone call when I received my position and the offer at Chat State. I was at a red light and I answered my phone. Probably shouldn't have done that. But I answered the phone. I followed it with the Chat State number and they, they offered me the position and I had 
to literally pull the car over and get out. And I was like jumping up and down and had to do some proper like fist pumping, you know, and out there somewhere, there are people that saw me do that. So maybe if they're listening to this, they will understand what was going on. But I, it's just been an incredible journey. I'm really glad that you asked that. So it's kind of neat that I ended up here. Well, that is wonderful. Of course, I think it's it's always it's a, a bit strange, but also a bit fascinating when something good comes from something not so good. I do have something good to share with you. So uh, not too long ago, I interviewed one of your students that I'm sure you're very familiar with, Destiny Warner or just Warner. And she had some things to say about you and a question for you. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you now. Honestly, I don't think I've ever met a teacher that was the embodiment of like bubbles and kindness, if that makes sense. Okay, I have two follow-ups to that. So one, are you saying that she is sunshine and rainbows personified? And two, I will be interviewing her soon. Do you have a question that you think I should ask her? Yeah, she's absolutely sunshine and rainbows and like all the pixies, like not even unicorn. She's straight on hamster unicorns, if that makes sense. <laughs> Just odd and wonderful. But question wise, kind of the same question I asked her is, especially now during this semester of COVID chaos that we just had and she couldn't physically be there to help do what she does with the students like I'm basically wondering if she feels like she can't do as much in the situation so essentially since COVID hit and everything uh, do you feel like you can't do as much for students in the situation that you've found yourself in that is such a great question. In a way, I I always struggle with do I have the skill sets that are required to do this really important job that I have? And am I, you know, so there is some of that imposter syndrome that I already struggle with. With COVID, it has really shaken up what I think most of us believed was the normal, normal life you know, how things normally happen. I think that I will have to, I, and what I have been doing is just reading a lot, researching, trying to find new ways to communicate. Um, that's my struggle is how to communicate. How to communicate in a way that's heard across a virtual platform is definitely daunting. I, um, I'm learning a lot of new technology. In a sense, in a way, I actually am a bit excited about trying out some new things. When things shake up our norms that we are so comfortable in, I think it forces us to expand skill sets always. I mean, you've got a choice, right? Um, and my choice is, is typically to try to figure out how to make it better or make it work, whatever the parameters are, and get creative about it. I, don't get me wrong. I am way eager for COVID to be done so I can be back. There's just something special about the campus. I am really want that to be done and over with so we can get back to it. But I do think that all of this, for me anyway, um, and how I'm coping with it is to use it as an opportunity to provide additional perspective for me. Thinking about what the old normal was is testing my resiliency for sure. It's testing my critical thinking and most definitely my creativity and figuring out how to still do those special things. Because I'll tell you, Edward, a lot of my time on campus is with students. That's my world, my day. And it is even in the summers, even during a normal summer, I start to get really like, oh, I can't wait till school starts. I'm bored. You know, I want people. We're going to get through this. I know <laughs> we have to. It's just, I'm not quite sure how we're going to navigate through it. I know that it will happen. And I'm really quite excited 
excited to see what ideas that the students have on how I can do this better, how we can do this better. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say on how we can be helpful, kind of have some of that same stuff that's so important, but just in a different way. Well, I can definitely say from a student's point of view, I despise this. I I hate what's going on. Taking online classes is the last decision I would make in my life because I've I've experienced it before and I know that I don't do well. So as antsy as you are to see students back on campus, I think most, if not all students are very antsy to get back on campus and be in front of, you know, professors they love. Going off of that a little bit, can you talk a little about how COVID-19 has impacted your job duty specifically? Okay, in addition to trying to be more creative um, with how we communicate, my job opportunities um, and my job duties are pretty much the same. Honestly, it's just trying to figure out different ways to meet those needs. I, if anything, am involved in more committee meetings right now. Um, As you can imagine, more trainings right now. I'm learning a lot of new technologies, which is both fun, but also can be quite frustrating. One of my things that has affected my job duties the most is just continuously trying to figure out how to manage my time the best. I do actually get more work done at home than I do on in my office at school. Um, but really, when I'm on campus, I feel like, you know, I've always been one of those people that works on the weekends and works in the evenings. And I would rather sit and meet a new person and talk to them about what they're doing as a big part of my what I perceive as my job duty. It's not really written into my contract. It's just what I end up spending a lot of time doing. You're told different things when you get a job at different colleges, like this person of your time is for this and this person of your time is for this. And and I would say how it all kind of evens out for people or where they find their balance is really what strengths that they have or what areas they want to grow in. So there are some faculty who do things like I'm doing who are really heavily involved in students, clubs and things like that. That is a struggle. And I don't know quite what's going to happen with our site club. We will, we've always figured it out though. Other people may be more focused on like committee work and things like that and policy and getting all that going. So I think all of us have felt a shift in our duties, but it's kind of an exciting shift. (laughs) Um, And at least that's the way I'm going to deal with it. Um, That's the way I perceive it. So uh, you mentioned clubs and we talked a little bit about this and you said you're not quite sure how it's going to work. And I think the best thing was my suggestion, which was making me supreme ruler of site club, also dictator of site club, just just anything where where I, I circumvent any election process. And I just kind of like impose myself on everybody. I think that's great. But I do, I want to move on because the amount that I hear about you on campus when I was there in the beginning of spring is just, it's crazy. Like I heard your name on a daily basis, just from people passing me in the hallway or people uh, at my work study job talking about you. So I know it can be uncomfortable, but just for the the people who will be listening to this, the uh, Tiger Stories audience, I would like to rattle off your stats if if you don't mind. So I'll start with the fact that on all the, the Rate My Professor sites, which there's a million, every single one you have at least a 4.9 to a, a 5.0 
out of five on every single one. Personally, for me, you helped me even though like you didn't know me at all. I've never been in your class and you didn't even know I was taking your class yet. And you still gave me a lot of help on questions I had. You've donated to a student's GoFundMe who was looking for help with uh, personal expenses so they can continue their education after Chat State. And it's like I told Sarah Gilly, you're one of the best people that I haven't even met yet. So I guess the question is, how does it feel to be so universally loved and adored by everyone you come in contact with? Well, first, I will say that my brother may disagree (laughs) with that statement, but it feels fantastic. Freaking tastic, man. I um I want everyone to feel this way. I have I feel valued, I feel loved, I feel worthwhile. I genuinely really actually like people in general. <laughs> um I I love people and I think maybe some people may pick up on that. I have been told that I'm a really happy person and seem really joyful. Um, I've had people say to me, are you ever in a bad mood? Like, what's wrong with you? I've even had on a student evaluation, um, particularly my early morning classes, get a little extra Emily dose because I'm super like hyped that I need to like, t- I'm too happy in the morning. I need to tone it down, you know, to the point where I maybe it could get obnoxious. I'm not sure. But I've also been told that I make people feel comfortable being around me, which is actually something that I've always sought or, or wanted to do for people. It's pretty cool. I've also know what it feels like to be depressed, anxious, confused, lonely, bullied, and ostracized. I know what that feels like. I've made mistakes and I have hurt people in the past. And I'm very, very sorry about that. Um, I really feel that part of my personality is just seeking to try to be a better person, however that is, however that looks like. But I really do love people and it feels so good to know that people feel positively about me and I'm gonna ride this dopamine high (laughs) for the rest of the day. In fact, you know, I'm gonna call my mom after this again. (laughs) But thank you for that. Not a problem. I'm sure there's, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it in person. I'm sure many people, would like the chance to rattle your stats off and say, hey, you're awesome. So I'm glad I got a chance to do that. Now to the to the most important part of the interview. I, I literally, th- there's no way that I could go through this interview without bringing up the beautiful dog, Pepe. So I need to know, and by the way, nice, lovely painting behind you. I need to know, how is Pepe? And have you always been a dog person? That is a fantastic question. And I will shout out this photo. This uh, painting is actually from a former student, Amy Davenport, and her artwork. And if you, when we get back onto campus at some point in the future, please, everybody come to my office. I love to commission student artwork and want my office just filled with beautiful things that you guys create. So have I always been a dog person? Yes. I would say though I started off as a cat person before cats were even cool on the internet, before the internet was invented. I was a big fan of the cats and the dogs and I basically just love all animals. We've established I love the human animal is one of my most fascinating animals. I love dogs. Dogs. I love great apes. I'm a huge fan of elephants. Love me some elephants. I love ethnology, um, studying how animals behave, um, animal communication, and I love bugs. Like I'm a big fan of the bugs, but not when they're on me. I'm just too afraid I'll squish them. 
But I literally, as a kid, was flipping over rocks and just looking at things. I am constantly fascinated with evolution and animals. And yeah, this guy right here <laughs> is a fantastic and huge part of my life. And right now he's at my feet. So keeping me warm. <laughs> so I asked you if you've always been a dog person. But the truth is that I already knew because I've done a little bit of digging. And I found a paper you wrote during your time at UTC in 1997, 23 years ago. Uh, you wrote it with three other people, Lori Graham, April Burton, and Chastity Roberts. The paper was titled, The Presence of a Dog Increases Greetings, a Study in Social Intervention. And so I have two questions about this. One's just for fun. Do you keep in contact with any of the three people that you wrote this with? And two, does this paper mean something special to you? So first question, I am not in contact um, with these folks anymore, but fun fact, this was a group project and the only person that actually worked with me on that was Lori, you know, like group projects go. Uh, I didn't even remember there were two other people involved, which is pretty funny. So again, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? So Lori and I actually became fairly good friends. Um, she, I, I haven't really spoken to her in a while, but she um, is now a dentist, I think out in Ringgold or something. Um, but she was a lot of fun. We met in that class and uh, for the next, what does it mean to me, this project, you know, it's so I'm so glad you did ask this because this to me is one of those really big learning experiences I had in school when I became very aware of how important it is to be active student and trying to take trying to find opportunities and seek them out. So this was a, just a project in a class where the teacher said, you guys go come up with some sort of experiment. And the experiment, we, were, we all loved animals, right? Um, and I had had some experiences um, at dog park and also had been reading some information I mean, this may have been out when like Silence of the Lambs came out and that, you know, how sometimes serial killers have pets that they try to trap you and like all that stuff with. So I was thinking like, do animals make people more approachable in general, right? Um, and so we kind of sprung from that. It was also really fun to do a naturalistic observation on campus. So we basically just, just created an experience where some people were watching us and recording behaviors and we either had a pet with us or not. We just recorded how many people came up. It's such a simple experiment that's really fun to try out. So the next part of it was just, you know, we turned that in and got a good grade. Well, the teacher spoke to us after class and said it was such a good project that they thought that UTC would publish it um, because they at that time had opportunities for students to publish work that they were working on in class. And, you know, in that moment, I had no idea what my future would hold, that I would be going to grad school or be concerned about having things on my resume. Um, but me and Lori decided to go ahead and write it up and submit it, and it got accepted. And when I entered into, when I looked at grad school much later, you know, they were saying like, where, what opportunities, what research opportunities have you done? And thank goodness we had done that. And that was something I could talk about during my interviews. It got me in. I wasn't even preparing for it at the point, but it ended up getting me um, my foot in the door. So I would, one of the things that that taught me is, you know, when you think about when you go into school, so often they say, what are you going to do? What's your major? What's your major? What's your major? And you're so young. You're just trying to figure out the world. Or even like me, I just didn't know. I loved everything. I wanted to study everything. 
and it's so much pressure. Although here's what I would say. So if you don't know, still create opportunities so you have more options in the future. So finding opportunities to do research or have leadership opportunities, particularly your first two years, these early experiences can be the ones that get you into a grad school program because you need to have that stuff on your resume. And at four-year university, typically students are taught, they're told that early on from their advisors. And that's something that I definitely like, like to share with students. And it's not so it's not always just kind of wait for an opportunity either. It's like make an opportunity, find somebody that will help you create opportunities. And so really that's what like this shirt from the site club, everything, this is from one of our helping hands fund. This is the idea of the site club students and they, they manufacture, they create experiences. And I just kind of in the wind beneath your wings sort of thing, but we can create these experiences. I was like, I'm so excited for site club to start and just say, what do you guys want to do? And let's just make it happen. And then you guys put that stuff on your resume and then you get famous and rich someday and come back and say hi, right? But yeah, it's those opportunities. For example, I got to travel all of Europe because of a research poster project I did. You know, you can you can go and do great, amazing things by getting involved. And I highly, highly encourage it. Well, I would like to say here first that as the Supreme Leader of Site Club, I would certainly ensure that great ideas were encouraged and only punished mildly if they're not my idea. Beyond that, uh, what's something you said earlier, group projects are the worst. I've never had a good experience with a college group project. Typically, I end up doing all the work. And so, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. But it is great. Like the Helping Hands Fund is is an awesome program. And, and that's really cool that it came from a bunch of students with ideas. And it was able to flourish, I guess, if you will, the way that it has. Besides everything you've mentioned so far, what do you think your favorite moment that's happened on Chattanooga State campus has been? Well, aside from this moment... <laughs> because this is fantastic. I've really been excited to share a little bit about myself, but mainly just brag about everybody else, honestly. Aside from this moment, my favorite moments on campus are graduations. I just, like, there's something just so cool about hearing, about seeing a student, you know, that's walk across that stage, stand in line forever, wait for your name to be, but then the roar from the families, and I, like, I go hoarse, like, I, you don't want to sit beside me during a graduation, because I am just, like, my, I can't feel my hands, and I'm hollering. Those, just that, seeing that accomplishment is truly so cool. Some I will say it across my span of my entire life. I have had the funniest moments have happened on campus. I have cried in my office from laughing so hard on the daily with students, just like random things that happen um, in cl the classroom. Somebody says, not, you know, whatever it may be. I remember one class I had a student is years ago. I had a student who was autistic and um, during the course of the semester, he spoke a lot in class and became comfortable. Um, and everybody else is quite comfortable as well and talking about things. And he said, in front, and this is a big class. So a lot of lots of times students who may normally speak up don't you, in a big, big class. And he said this, he said, this is the only time I've ever felt like I had friends. Thank you all for being my friend this semester. And it was just really special. I've, I've had students just at the end of a 
we really bond quite closely, right? And so at the end of a semester, a student may stand up and just kind of give their testimony, like, about what they've been through during the semester and how the, their classes help them with one thing or another. Just being supportive, basically, is a big thing. I will say another really fun thing that happened, I didn't even know people did stuff like this, but back in the spring of 2019, um, the Psych Club had an Emily is Awesome party. I didn't, it wasn't my birthday. I had cake and everything. It was just so sweet. There's so much kindness on campus. And there's something really cool. It's like almost, I don't know, it's almost like kind of a fantasy world where, where you know, people are growing and thinking and like where else do you get an opportunity in your daily life to walk in and be in a room full of people, some who are in early college, who are 16, I have students who are 80 in the same class. Where else do you get this kind of synergy that happens? It is just, it is really, truly a magical place. And it's so fun to talk about psychology because these are topics that are meaningful to many people and, you know, figuring out ourselves, our families, that kind of thing, how people navigate the world, why we think the way we do, why we react the way we do. And it's really quite cool to see so many people of just varying backgrounds, very expansive diversity coming together to just talk about cool stuff. You know, that is always a good time. <laughs> really is. Well, I mean, you know, like the Emily is Awesome party. I mean, you named like two examples there alone of why people appreciate you so much. So one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because when people talk about you, they talk about how how much they respect you and how much you provide an environment where people can be themselves and and be open and feel accepted and and what chat state is supposed to be, which is a community or a family. It, we're all supposed to feel uh, welcome. And you're one of the people doing it the best on campus. So people really admire what you do. And I'm not surprised that they would want to honor you with a, a party. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again. What will your psychology classes look like for students who may be attending in the fall? So... <laughs> We is going to be a buckle up and see what happens situation. So I have in our department, there are uh, a few other full time psychology faculty and we have talked, we have, we actually are playing around this week with the different platforms just to practice and have fun with each other, trying it out. There's a, there is um, some fear and anxieties and frustrations and all that, you know, just because it's important. That's why we feel those things. It's because we know it's important and it is important. So what we have decided is to have sort of a combination between synchronous and asynchronous experiences. Um, and in my class, that's what will happen. So um, if you're taking my class in the fall, I'm not going to require attendance for you to log in at a particular time. However, I will make opportunities for you to do that and navigate the class with me and discussing things. I have um, some ideas about Friday fun days, which will be sort of I'm not really sure, but there'll be extra credit involved. We may do some watch parties, watch some documentaries to get things that I normally don't get a chance to do with students. It'd be really fun to try it out this way. So we're just going to see what works. That's mainly what we end up doing is I want to hear from you guys what you want to, and then we'll kind of create that 
course together. So I'll also have asynchronous um, opportunities. So one of the things that I do in my classes is open all the assignments the first day um, and just they have a due date, but I'm quite flexible with those due dates. I mainly have due dates so I can help students stay on a schedule, although I tend to open up assignments and let students take them as they need for various reasons throughout the semester. And I'm going to continue those things that I've found are best practices. I want to be as flexible as possible and still try to meet everyone's needs. I know that that is like very ambitious, but I, it, you know, I think it's just going to, I think once we get our feet underneath us in the semester, we will have a fun project. So let me shout about that real quick. There is, we're talking about having opportunities, right? To put stuff on your resume, particularly if I can get at, because typically I have 200-ish students a, um, a semester. It can be up to 250 to a little bit under 200. And so that's a lot of people I can give opportunities to each semester. And I have in the past been doing the research symposium, which was students would create their original research and do all that fun brainy stuff where they learn about credible references and learn how to read a journal article and find them and work with our librarians and come up with a cool topic. That's been a lot of fun because of some of the um, just practical issues with doing those that kind of group work online and and also I'm not even quite sure how the research symposium will play out for the fall. We're going to do using those same sort of learning objectives as psychology infographics. So instead of having a boring final exam, mm -mm, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys to pick a topic you love that you're interested in studying and do a little research on it, find some references, kind of dig deep into what you're interested in, and then find a creative way to present that in an infographic to the class. And here we go. And I'm always trying to close a little loop here because I want it to be valuable, right? So what makes it valuable or, or, or something that has a little bit more weight to it is if there is an opportunity to showcase that work to the college. So I'm working with the library on creating a virtual showcase for student work to go up. So then on your resume, I will also tell you guys how to report or write that stuff on your resume. So students who then participate can put down that they were part of a some sort of infographic symposium. We'll get a really fancy name for it. <laughs> Something real good, but on your resume. Yeah, I'm real I'm super excited about how that plays out. I piloted it this summer and it went really well. And you can work alone. You don't have to work in a group. <laughs> You're welcome. I think one of the most valuable things that a student enjoys from a professor that actually helps them learn better is all these unique ways of learning that they present. So that's pretty awesome. I find myself even on campus uh, struggling when it's just lecture, 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 or here's a book, here's something out of the book, here's a lecture again. And that, that, is difficult for, for me to get past. But the more difficult part is when it's online class. It's only online. So so what one of the things that I'm excited about is the prospect of virtual classes like you were talking about where it's actually helping us form a schedule because I, I need a schedule because I'm not good at creating my own. So having those classes, because it's that's kind of what we did uh, in spring when we were made to go online is we had virtual classes. So it was kind of similar to being on campus. 
Um, so I'm excited for that aspect of it to come back because I despise straight online classes. Can't, cannot state that enough times. Despise them. Emily, it has been absolutely wonderful. I've been wanting to do this interview for a while and I'm excited to share it with students and I think they'll be excited to hear it. But thank you so much. And, thank you, Edward. And I will see you in the fall. Fantastic. Bye. Bye. Those of us who have the honor and privilege to work on Chattanooga State's campuses know that something really special happens here. And it's humbling to get to share a few of those special things with you, our listeners. So thanks to you for joining us here today. And a special thank you to the students, faculty, and staff who make this podcast possible. If you are a student at Chattanooga State and you want to be on Tiger Stories, let us know. You can get in touch at the email address in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another installment of Tiger Stories. Until then, make it a great one.